Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you, Lord, today for being here in your name, for gathering in your holy name. As the Almighty who created by speaking, who formed us with your own hands and with your own breath gave us life, that you have gone through the trouble to choose us as your children. And dear Lord, if we think about that, the magnitude of this relationship we have with you, we can't do anything else but be humble and become humble before you. Thank you that you are meeting with us through your Holy Spirit, that you are guiding us. And we know that only through commitment from our side that we can grow our relationship with you in, in a ma still and calm manner or in a celebration manner like the children. We want to pray that you will meet with each and one of us today, young and old, and that we will know what you want to say to us. We pray this, not because we deserve any of it, but in Jesus' name only. Amen. Andre and I took this photo a little, a little while ago. Uh, we've been working out and we've lost a bit of weight since then, but we're tag team preaching. Not wrestling, but tag team preaching uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to both sort of do a little bit, share a little bit. But we're both on the same team. And our prayer is that if you, that it would flow so seamlessly. That if you just closed your eyes, you wouldn't know where I stopped preaching and Andre started. Apart from the accent, maybe. But it would just all flow uh, together. Uh, my role this morning is to talk about why we serve. And Andre's going to finish with kind of exploring what do we do with those talents that God uh, has blessed us with. And as, as I do, do my bit, I, I just have one verse of scripture for us. That's it, one verse of scripture. And it's Ephesians 2 verse 10. And from the English Standard Version, we read, For we are God's, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And in the New Living Translation, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I have to be honest, I do like this translation. I love the New Living Translation as a translation as a whole, but I love the fact that it uses the word masterpiece. I've never been called a masterpiece or an oil painting in my life. I know that will surprise some of you, but I, I never have. But the fact that the Bible says that I am a masterpiece. But if we're honest, not many of us would view ourselves that way. You know, when you get up of a morning and you look in the mirror before anything else has happened, I'm, sh I'm not convinced you all think, oh, good morning, masterpiece. <laughs> you know, some of you thinking, oh, dear me, you know. But this isn't about looks. But if we're honest, we look at our lives, 
what we say, what we do, how much we spend with God, how much we don't spend with God, what, what kind of ministries that we're involved in, how much of Scripture we know. We just look at our lives on a day-to-day basis, and if we're honest, we not necessarily look at our lives and think, do you know what? My life says, speak, just shouts masterpiece. Maybe we look at our lives and we think, do you know what? As opposed to a masterpiece, my life kind of more reflects something a toddler has drawn on a piece of paper. It doesn't necessarily reflect a masterpiece. We might look at other people and think, now, them, they're masterpieces. This week, the American evangelist Billy Graham died at the age of 99. He has preached, apparently, to over 200 million people worldwide. He has written countless books. He has commanded the presence of no less than 12 American presidents to his home throughout his life. He is known worldwide. He has been described as one of the most influential Christians in modern times. His death was reported on and commentated on throughout the world. And we might look at his life and say, now that's... That is a masterpiece. That is a a masterclass in what it is to to be called by God and to do the work that he places before us. There's a man who could be described as a masterpiece and compared to him, we might think we are nothing but a broken vessel as opposed to a masterpiece. But here's the amazing thing. God looks at you and he sees a masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and tell them that God sees a masterpiece. Go on. Go on, be Pentecostal for me. You're a masterpiece. And some of you are going, oh, no, oh, no, no, not me, not me. But you are. God looks at you, he looks at you, and he sees a masterpiece. And we can know this to be true because we are all, every single one of us, created by God. And last time I checked, God does not create anything that isn't perfect. God does not create duds. God creates masterpieces. When God created, he looked at what he created and he says, it was good. He doesn't look at what he creates and went, oh, I could have done better. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's all right, he's Andre, but, oh, you know, a few flaws here and there. I could have made him a little bit better. God looks at what he creates and he says, brilliant. It's good. It's a masterpiece. And a masterpiece says, very simply, I think I've used this here before, but A masterpiece simply says, we are pieces of the master. (laughs) Before that, that way. We're pieces of the master. And the master loves his pieces, not because they have succeeded or not, not because they have done all the great works that Billy Graham has done or not. The master loves his pieces simply because he loves them. Now, this passage tells us that not only are we masterpieces, we are God's workmanship, we're created anew in Christ Jesus, but it says we've got things to do. We have works to do. 
Now, before we go on, let me clear something up. Friends, we are not saved by any of these works. Your mansion in heaven has not got bigger today because you packed boxes. <laughs> your mansion in heaven will not be bigger because you're going to help Barbara with our babies on Wednesday. You are not a Christian. You are not saved because of anything that you do. Anything that you do will not make God's heart turn towards you any more warmly than it already does. We are not saved by the works that we do, but we are saved for the works that God places before us. So to put it simply, you have been created by God, and once you have fallen in love with Jesus, God has things that he had in mind you would do for him and with him. You see, the, the, the life of the Christian is one of joining, of, of cooperating with God in his purposes. And it's just a joy and a pleasure to work out what they are. We serve because we love him, not because we want extra brownie points. So how do we know what it is that we're called to do? You see, you've had some opportunities to serve this morning, but how do you know if these are the things that God had in mind when he created you? I think looking at the Revised Standard Version translation of this verse helps us understand this a little bit, bit more. So Ephesians 2.10 in the Revised Standard Version says, For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We are what he has made us. You see, we're all very different. I'm stood here, I don't see anybody that looks the same. There may be some similarities. I know some of you. I know sometimes you like some of the same things. But I also know you like lots of different things. We are all very different. I was talking to somebody yesterday afternoon about puppy training their dog. And I said, well, we, she said, it's been six weeks and he's still weeing everywhere. <laughs> she said, it shouldn't take six weeks. It should take about a week or two to, to, to train a dog. I said, yeah, but it's not a robot. We seem to forget that as all humans are different, so all animals, living, breathing animals are different. And in the same way, we may get one child out, that's out of nappies by 18 months, another one might take till two and a half, three, four, whatever. It's the same with dogs. One dog might get puppy trained in a week. Another one, it might take five, six, seven weeks. Because we're all unique. We're all, we're all different. So to find out what God has specifically called us to do, we need to look at what he has made. That's why we're different. That's why the church is referred to as a body made up of lots of different parts. But when it all works together, wow, some amazing things can happen. Look at some of the athletes in the Winter Olympics. They seem to have understood how the different parts of their bodies work and they have somehow captured that and channeled all of these different parts to work together and the result can be a gold medal for some but amazing feats of sporting achievement for all. So when you think about what 
God is calling you to do. Look at what he has made. Look at the masterpiece. Look at the workmanship. And as I bring my bit to a close, a helpful tool for us to unpack that is to take the word, very simply, take the word shape. Because we're all different shapes. To take the word shape and see that each letter means something. Spiritual gifts. What has God specifically gifted you to do? Heart. What do you love doing? There will be things that you love doing that just make my blood run cold. <laughs> and there'll be things that I love doing. Think, why on earth do you enjoy that? On a good day, I enjoy watching Wales play rugby. Not so much at the moment, but you know. What abilities do you have? You know, what are you just naturally good at? Personality. What's your personality like? You know, if you're, if you're not good with humour, stay away from telling jokes. Do what fits your personality. And then experience it. God uses our experiences for his kingdom purposes. God's not going to ask you, you know, to run a parenting course if you've never been a parent. Because you've got no experience of that. He's not going to ask you to be a swimming teacher if you can't swim. <laughs> you've got no experience in that. And so this shape is who you are. More specifically, it is what God has made. It is who God has made. And you see, when you put it all together, you find you're drawn to certain things over others. And that's okay, because it's your shape. It also helps us in church life to understand why some people don't want to get involved in certain things, because it's not their shape. You know, if you really don't like children, don't serve in the children's ministry. If you're a terrible cook, please do not go in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, do what, what naturally fits your shape. Ask God to show you your unique shape, to show you what he has made, and then you will see the things he wants you to work with him in doing. So how do we become God's masterpieces? Um, when me and Wayne started talking about this, um we were busy with a series in, um, in the SAC about exercise. We all know it's the start of the new year. We all want to get fit, in shape, get ready for the summer. Um, but spiritually, we need a plan as well. Um, so this is the final session on that as well, and I think it's very fitting. Um, and when me and Wayne got together and he spoke about the masterpieces, it linked in very, very well. So how do we become God's masterpieces what do we need to do what are the next steps to get spiritually healthy and fit now the passage we're going to look at is matthew 25 verse 14 to 13 we're not going to read the whole passage but one of the things that wayne just mentioned was that we need to have a heart for things when we do things for god it needs to it needs to bless people it needs to serve um, no point in me doing something, dreading, really not wanting to get up to actually go and do it. Because then we can just as well stay at home. And in Matthew 25, that's exactly what happens. Jesus' um, teachings are broken up into five parts. 
um, different chapters, but this specific passage is in the fifth part, where Jesus is actually addressing the Pharisees that followed the rules and the regulations very well, but they didn't do it with a warm heart. They did it with the wrong attitude and the wrong reasons. And when we read this passage, we need to know that the focus is Jesus is teaching and He's telling people, you have to do things differently. You have to do it differently. So the question is, what does your life as God's masterpiece look like? What does your life as God's masterpiece look like? So, let me go and read verses 19 to verses 24. Now, we all know the story. It's about the businessman entrusting three of his employees with a big sum of money. Now, two uh, translations. The, the old translation talked about talent, and the new translation talks about the money that they, uh, that they were given. Now, talents in those days were a form of money. Um, it was equal to 6,000 denarii, as far as I can understand, and that was equal to about 20 years' worth of wages. So, the, the one that received five talents received what? So, 20 years worth, let's say an average of 25k a year. So, one talent is worth about 500,000k. Five talents worth about 2.5 million, talking about winning the lottery. So, getting that money and having to go and do something with it. Then there's one that receives two talents and one that receives one talent. And then the owner says to them, go and do something. I'm going away on business. And when he gets back, the following happens. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the second servant, the man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the last servant, verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Now, all of us knows what the last servant feels like. Thinking you're doing something good and then it not being a good idea. Within that community, that wasn't something bad to do. If a city was um, attacked, what did people do? They buried their treasure. So that 
it can't be taken as loot. So he didn't do something out of the ordinary. He thought this was really, really responsible. But we need to remember when Jesus teaches the Pharisees, or when he's speaking about the Pharisees, he's also talking about the kingdom of God. So these talents that he's referring to is linked with the kingdom of God. What do we do with the kingdom of God? What do we do with the shape in our lives? And if I look at this, the first two slaves realized and they knew what the assignment was. They received these bags of gold, these talents, but it was still the owners. But by receiving it, they had his full authority to go and use it, to grow it, to build with it. And they trusted that authority. And they went out and did something. It might have meant that they took some risk. Maybe they had some really good business decisions they made. But the last servant didn't really fully understand the authority that he received with this bag of gold. We all know if we apply for a job and we have a really good reference, it makes life easier, doesn't it? If we've been directed by somebody that carries the necessary authority, then it's far easier to make an impression. And the first two servants realized that they had that letter. They had that authority that they could deal with. Whilst the last servant didn't realize that. So, what does our passage want to say to us this morning? Our passage wants to say to us a few things, to be honest. And this is just a, um, a slide that we used previously that says, faith is like any other muscle. We have to work on it. We said that previously, if we spend some time in the gym, then we need to do the right things. We can't eat chocolate and ice cream at home and then expect us all to shape up and to have a six-pack as we did back in the day. We can't expect to, to train or not train and then win rugby matches. No, we can't. We really have to do our part. And on the spiritual side, we have to do that as well. We all know what wisdom is and we all want to be wise. And wisdom, in its simplest form, is to spend the correct amount of time on the right things. To spend the right amount of time on the necessary things. To have the right focus in life and to not get sidetracked. So linking back to what we just said in Matthew 25 is that it's calling us, it's calling me and you to look at God's masterpiece in a different way. Us being pieces of the master. We need to ask the question, what do we have to do with the gifts God has given us? And the first question is, what do we do with the gift of the kingdom of God? What do we do with the gift of God's love and God's mercy? Of God's compassion? If I were to ask you this morning, what do you do with that? What would you say? And I think... It's fairly easy. We know it. We proclaim it. But do we actually go out and tell people about it? It's a talent. It's a gift. 
It's a bag of gold that we've received. But do we go out and use it with the authority that God has given us with that? So, in short, God's love gave you and me the gift of Christ. He has given us the gift of Christ's salvation, the compassion that He came to show us as an example, so that you and I can go and live that out. We have to go and grow that. And if we think about grow, the Afrikaans is vuker. If we have to grow something, we have to realize about the intense attention that we have to, to pay to that plant that we're growing. If we have a, a field of crops that we're growing, it's not just going to grow if I plant it. I need to care for it daily, weekly. For the whole season, I need to look after it. And even then, I can't always protect it against the natural elements. We've received the gift of God, the love of God, and we have to grow it. We have to work hard at it. It's not just going to happen by chance. It's just not just going to happen all on its own. And sometimes we shy away from it, if we are honest. Sometimes it's easy to say, I'm just a normal guy, I'm just a normal person. I, I can't really do that. I'm not a great speaker, I'm an introvert, or I'm an extrovert, depending on the situation. I'm, my humility is of such a nature, I, I keep things to myself. If I read the passage this morning correctly, then God is asking us to do something different. He's asking us to understand that He's given us His authority and His blessing to go and live life with the same compassion as Jesus did. He's asking you and me to go and live with the grace and the mercy that He has shown us. And that means don't keep it to ourselves. That means go and share it. Practical situations where we can share it. Those who have offended us. Those that I do not like. Maybe it's a brother, a sister. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship with, with a father or a mother. I don't know. Everyone that sits here knows your relationships and your life and your situations. But our passage this morning is asking us to live the kingdom of God with a warm heart. To go and share it, and there's no compromise. Wayne talked about serving. Serving means sharing. We were created to serve and to share. To serve by sharing. And what do we have to share? God's love, His compassion, His grace, and His kingdom. Individually and collectively, we have to share the gift of the kingdom. That's why we packed the boxes this morning. Yes, to, to clean our uh, closets a little bit and to, to make some space. It always helps. But it's to share the gift of God. Marius has just been there for a week. And the emotion that I see when I speak to him is that it's tough. It's not an easy place to be. It's not an easy place to go and help. Firstly, it's some annual leave that I have to put aside to go and help people that I don't know. 
Secondly, it's an expense that I need to go on to go and help people. But thirdly, then I need to go and help them physically with so many things that I don't even fully understand and comprehend before I go. But if that's an opportunity to share the gift of the kingdom of God, then if I read Matthew 25 correctly, then we are called to do that. We're not called to bury it in the ground and the sand. We're called to share it. Now, not all of us are going to go to Greece and Lesbos. But all of us live next to somebody. All of us know somebody that don't know God. All of us know somebody that's going through a tough time. And we can help them by sharing God's love and sharing God's grace. The four things that we said that we can do to come closer to God, and this is, this is bringing everything together, is faith is like a muscle, and how do we exercise it? By the knowledge. We have to know the Bible. If we know the Word of God, it strengthens our foundations. It gives us insight into what God is asking of us. It gives us insight in instructing us on what he, he plans for us, what it means. Secondly, we have to pray. We have to spend time at his feet. We have to listen. Praying is not just me uttering out everything that I want from God. No, we all know it's not that. It's spending time with God and listening what he's saying to me, to my family, to my church. Sometimes we as leaders need church members to speak to us, to say, I feel God is, is saying this to me. But we won't know if we don't listen. Thirdly, obedience. We have to know God's voice to know that we have to obey, what we have to obey. Because if we obey God's will, that brings happiness. That brings fulfillment to our lives. Because we were created to, we said, serve. So if we serve, if we obey God's will and God's commandments, then it strengthens our lives. It gives us purpose. And the last one is, James tells us, we can't just keep it to ourselves. Our faith is evident through what we do. Our actions don't give us faith. But our faith becomes visible to those around us if we do things. And that's why the saying is there. Go and spread the gospel and if necessary, use words. If necessary, use words. Our actions towards those around us, live next to us, sit opposite me at work on a desk, my actions determine what those people think of a Christian, of the masterpiece of God. My wish this morning is that we will go out, that we will go out from here, and that we will know that we have God's authority, that we'll be certain of that, and that we will use that to go and live a life that share and serve tells people about God's love, His compassion, and His grace. Amen. Let us pray together.
thank you, Lord, that we know that we are on a journey in life and that you are carrying us, that you are steering us in the directions that we need to follow. Thank you for everyone here this morning and that everyone here has heard your word. And we pray this morning that we will take your word to heart, that it will warm us up, dear Lord, even though in times of trouble and times of worry, we forget. But I want to pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will use this message to warm us up for your kingdom so that we will share the gift, not just here between each other today in the meal, but from here outwards, that we will transform every life that we encounter at home, at work, on our travels, that we will always search in your word for more knowledge and that we will always spend time at your feet to know your will. And that, Lord, when we hear your voice, that we will obey and that we will follow, that we will serve and share your love without consideration of myself, without listening to reason that is preventing me from this sharing your love, but that I will go and share your grace so that others may see the compassion of Christ through me. We want to pray for our children this morning, where they're young, where they grow up in a community and a world that don't necessarily know you, that questions you. I want to pray this morning for our Sunday school teachers, for Red Balloon, for our parents, that will you will give us the insight and the wisdom to teach our children your way, to teach our children your love, and that that will transform their lives now and until they are old, and that they will touch other people as they go along. I want to pray this morning for our relationship between LBC and SAC, that the relationship we're building here will not just tr transform our communities, but will transform Louton, that we will become a beacon of your love and your light in this community. Guide us and help us to see your will and your way from here on forwards. I want to pray for this lunch that's a start of building this relationship again, something new, sharing food, that I won't go back and say, no, it's not in my nature to go and talk to somebody new, but that I will go and speak to somebody that you are guiding me to. Bless the food to our bodies and help us to always use everything we have to honor your name and build your kingdom. We pray that in Jesus' name, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.